the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome to our church. We're so glad that you're here. Or maybe today's the first time in a while. In that case, welcome back and uh, welcome home. Uh, the last Sundays of the month at our church are what we call All Church Sundays, and that simply means that our entire church family, from the youngest to the oldest, we gather together uh, to worship together. And on our All Church Sundays, we're going through a special sermon series through the Beatitudes of Jesus, which we're calling the Truly Blessed Life. You know, the culture is always preaching to us. I don't know if you know that or not, but it's always preaching to us, and it's preaching to us its vision of the blessed life. And according to our culture, the blessed life consists of things like health and wealth and romance and power and um, what else? What Recreation, freedom, respect, fine cuisine, things like that, or beauty. And if you have kids, the blessed life most certainly includes mental and physical health for your kids or success for your kids in their preferred activities. And if you're a youth student, the blessed life probably includes things like getting good grades or being popular or being athletic, getting into the college of your choice, and of course, having parents who don't stress you out. That's the blessed life for a youth student. And our culture's vision for the blessed life is attractive. It's compelling, even to us as, as Christians. And so we work hard and we sacrifice to get those things because we functionally believe that if you can just get those things, then our lives will be blessed. But our Lord Jesus gives us a very different vision of the blessed life. Now, all those things that I mentioned are not bad things. They're all good things. But those things do not make a life blessed. You see, according to Jesus, you can have all of those things that I listed and yet not have a blessed life. And you can have few or none of those things and still have a blessed life. It all depends on how you define what a blessed life is. Now, the goal of this sermon series uh, on the Beatitudes is for us as a church to consider Jesus' vision of the truly blessed life, and then as followers of Jesus to embrace and to pursue Jesus' vision of the blessed life. And as we pursue that vision, we will live lives that are different than the lives that are lived in this world, beautifully different. You see, we make a difference in the world as Christians by being different from the world, by showing the world that there is a better and a more beautiful way to be human and to live life. So the title of today's sermon is, Blessed are the Merciful. Now the Beatitudes of Jesus are found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, and today we're going to be looking at the fifth Beatitude found in verse 7, but for the sake of context and continuity, we're going to read all the Beatitudes from verse 1 to 11. Now on our All Church Sundays, we have children, uh, students from our children's and our youth ministries participating in the service because this service is, is, is as much for them as it is for the parents. And the way that our youth students participate is by reading scripture for us. So in this service, we're going to have Ashley Hyun from the youth ministry read scripture. Please help me welcome Ashley to the stage. So people of God, this is the word of our God. Would you please give it your careful attention? 
Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Great job, Ashley. So the world says, blessed are the self-sufficient. Blessed are those who have everything they need and want, for they shall never need mercy from anyone else. But Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Here's the outline for today's sermon. Three points. First, the definition of the merciful. Uh, the blessings for the merciful, and third, the eyes of the merciful. Let's start with the definition. So what does it mean to be merciful? What is mercy? What does mercy look like? Now, the words grace and mercy are sometimes used interchangeably. They're frequently used together, and a lot of people think that grace and mercy are basically the same thing. They mean the same thing. But actually, there's a pretty important distinction between grace and mercy. Uh, Bible commentator Richard Lenski explains the difference between grace and mercy in this very helpful way. He writes, Mercy always deals with what we see of pain, misery, and distress, these results of sin. And grace always deals with the sin and guilt itself. The one extends relief, the other pardon. The one cures, heals, and helps. The other cleanses and reinstates. Grace is what you show to people in their sins, while mercy is what you show to people in their suffering. Grace is what sinners need, and mercy is what sufferers need. And because we are all both sinners and sufferers, we need both grace and mercy. Mercy is to have compassion on others in their suffering and then to do something to help alleviate their suffering. You see, mercy is not just compassion by itself. Mercy is compassion plus action that helps to relieve the suffering to some degree. Now, in his parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus gives us a wonderful, probably the classic example of what it means to be merciful. You all know the story, most of you do. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on a very dangerous road because this road has been known to have bandits and robbers. And sure enough, this Jewish man is attacked, mugged by robbers. He's beaten half to death. Uh, they take everything from him, even his own clothes, and they leave him naked and half dead on the, by the side of the road. The saddest, most pathetic situation you can imagine. But thank God, a priest happened to walk by and saw this poor man. Surely a priest 
would stop and show mercy to this poor man by helping him. But sadly, the priest crossed the street and walked by and did nothing for the poor man. But thank God again, another religious leader, a Levite, came by and saw this poor man. Surely this religious leader will stop and show mercy to this poor man by helping him in his distress. And sadly, he too crosses the street and passes by and does nothing for the poor man. Neither of these two men, neither the priest nor the Levite, showed mercy to this suffering and helpless man. And then, let me contextualize this for us a little bit. And then, a Palestinian walked by and saw this Jewish man. Someone who ought to have zero compassion on Jews because Palestinians and Jews hate one another, as we well know. And yet, it was the Palestinian who showed mercy. He put medicine on the Jewish man's wounds. He put him on his donkey. He took him to an inn and got a room for him to rest and to recover in. And he paid for it all at his own expense. He showed mercy to this man. You see, that's what mercy looks like. Mercy is a loving response to those in suffering and in misery, even if it is your enemy at your own expense. And of course, the greatest example of a merciful man is the Lord Jesus himself. Time and time again during his earthly ministry, Jesus came upon suffering people, lepers and blind people, cripples, paralytics, uh, sick people, parents with sick children, demon-possessed people, and even hungry people. And Jesus was merciful toward them. He showed them mercy. He had compassion on them. And then he alleviated their suffering with his miracles and with his casting out of demons. You see, every miracle that Jesus performed was actually an act of mercy. Because every miracle alleviated suffering in some way, shape, or form. In fact, even the miracle of turning water into wine at the wedding saved a newly married couple from shame and an embarrassment of not having enough wine at their wedding reception. And of course, the gospel tells us that Jesus showed us the ultimate mercy. Jesus saw our suffering and our misery as sinners. He saw our pitiful state our degrading and dehumanizing bondage to sin and the terrible fate that awaited us as sinners. He saw us, and then Jesus had mercy on us. It was his mercy that caused, that moved Jesus to leave heaven and to come into this world. And at an infinite cost, at the cost of his own life, Jesus saved us. Not only from the guilt and condemnation of sin, but also from the suffering and misery of sin. On the cross, Jesus took all the guilt, all the condemnation, all the suffering, and all the misery of our sins so that we might receive forgiveness and acceptance and healing and relief. Jesus was and is the truly merciful man, the true and ultimate man of mercy. You see, we are saved, and we are being saved, and we will be saved one day only because Jesus had 
and has and will have mercy on us. We would be forever lost if not for the mercy of Jesus. So the merciful are the people who give a loving response to those in suffering, even at a cost to themselves, like the Good Samaritan and like Jesus, the ultimate Good Samaritan. Second, let's consider now the blessing for the merciful. Now, this beatitude is uh, commonly misunderstood because on the face of it, uh, it seems to say that there is a condition you have to meet in order to receive mercy from God. And that condition is that you have to be merciful. So is Jesus teaching this? Is Jesus teaching us that if we want to get mercy from God, then we have to show mercy to others? Is showing mercy to others the condition that we have to meet in order to receive mercy from God? Now, the answer is no. He's not teaching that. Uh, we know that because that would be completely contrary to the entire uh, uh, text and tenor of uh, teaching and tenor of the entire New Testament. In fact, it would be contrary to the gospel itself. You see, there is only one condition to meet in order to receive the mercy of God. And that one condition is faith. It's faith alone in Christ alone. You do not need to be merciful to other people in order to get mercy from God. All you need is faith, faith in Christ. You see, if showing mercy is a condition that you have to meet in order to receive the mercy of God, then salvation is no longer by grace, but salvation is by works, by by the work of showing mercy. And from the rest of the New Testament, which clearly teaches that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ and not by works. That's the clear and plain teaching of the New Testament. That is the clear and plain teaching of the gospel. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. Those who have truly received the mercy of God in Christ through grace, through faith, will show mercy to others. Those who are loved by God in Christ will demonstrate that they are loved by God by loving others. Those who are forgiven by God will demonstrate that they're truly forgiven by God by forgiving others. And those who have received mercy from God in Christ will demonstrate that they have received mercy by showing mercy to others. In other words, Loved people love people, forgiven people forgive people, and people who have received mercy show mercy to others. The merciful are those who are humbly aware of their own suffering and their own misery, and they understand that Jesus has shown them great mercy at a great cost to himself. And the recipients of the mercy of Jesus cannot help but want to now show mercy to others, just as they have been shown mercy by the Savior. In fact, this is the great revealing test of whether someone has truly received the mercy of God or not. You see, those who have received the mercy of God or the mercy of Jesus reveal themselves as such by showing mercy to others. 
And those who have not received, those who have not experienced the mercy of Jesus, reveal themselves as such by being unwilling or unable to show mercy to others. You see, nothing proves more clearly and more beautifully that you have indeed received the mercy of God in Christ than your own readiness to show mercy to others when they're suffering. So this is the blessing for the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they have already received the mercy of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they are even now receiving the mercy of Jesus in their suffering. And blessed are the merciful, for they will one day receive mercy when Jesus comes again. For on that day, Jesus will heal and restore everything. And on that day, mercy will be necessary no more because there will be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, no more crying, and no more death. On the last day, mercy will be necessary no more. What a great thought. Lastly, let's consider the eyes of the merciful. You know, when you have received and experienced the mercy of Jesus, it changes you. It gives you new eyes. In fact, you begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. You know, when we see people in their suffering and misery, and even if their suffering and misery are the result of their own sin and foolishness, we no longer look at them with the eyes of callousness. Eyes of callousness. You look at suffering, and this is what you think, this is what you say. Whew, I'm glad that's not me. Better them than me, or it's their own fault. It's because they're stupid, irresponsible, foolish. They made their own mess. They're, it's self-inflicted suffering, and we judge. But we don't do that, or we are not to do that as Christ followers. Rather, we're to see them with eyes of compassion, when someone is suffering because of something that is beyond their control, like getting cancer or losing a job because of budget, budget cuts or a child getting sick or losing a spouse to cancer, we are to look upon them with eyes of compassion. And even if someone is suffering because it's the consequence of their own sin and foolish choices, even if the suffering and misery is brought upon themselves, we are still to look upon them with eyes of compassion. Think about this. Thank God that Jesus looks upon us with eyes of compassion when we're suffering. Whether our suffering is because of something that's beyond our control or because our suffering is the result of our foolishness and sin. When we're suffering, when we're in misery, no matter what the cause of it is, even if it's our own fault, Jesus has eyes of compassion for us. Jesus never says, well, you deserve this and walks away. Doesn't do that. You see, Jesus is full of compassion. And he always shows us mercy, even when, especially when, we don't deserve it. You see, even the mercy of Jesus is so full of grace. 
because it's mercy given to undeserving sufferers. And we, as followers of Jesus, are to have eyes of compassion for those who are suffering and miserable, no matter what the cause of their suffering and misery may be. You know, eyes of callousness ask, how could you be so foolish to get yourself into this mess? Why should I help you? While the eyes of compassion say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. How can I help? What can I do to help alleviate your suffering and pain? Compassion precedes mercy. It is eyes of compassion that lead to acts of mercy. You see, when you see with the eyes of Jesus, then you can begin to act like Jesus, which is to show mercy to those who are suffering and in pain. So what? let me uh, wrap up my sermon with this. Let me ask you a question. Are you a merciful person? Do you show mercy to those who may be suffering and in pain? You know, when you see someone who's suffering, whether that suffering was because of something beyond their control or because of their own foolishness, what is the posture of your heart toward them? Do you look away and pass by on the other side of the road like that priest or that Levite? Or do you look down with disdain and say, this is your fault, you deserve this? Or do you feel compassion for them? And do you desire to do something to help them? You know, I've thought about this. I, I think for most of us, it's, it's e much easier to show mercy to those who are suffering because of reasons beyond their control. As long as it's not their fault, as long as it's not because they did something stupid or irresponsible, if they're suffering for reasons that are beyond their fault, I think it's relatively easy to have mercy on people like that. But when it comes to people who are suffering because of their own foolishness, because of their own irresponsibility, because they made poor decisions, it's a lot harder to show mercy to them, right? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. And maybe they're suffering because they did something stupid and you told them not to do it. And yet they did it anyway. <laughs> oh, how easy it is for us to say, I told you so, dummy. And to harden our hearts toward them. But in those moments, what they, the sufferers, need from us is not our self-righteous condemnation, but rather our loving compassion. What they need from us is for us to be merciful, not merciless. You see, in those moments, Christ Central family, let's choose to be compassionate. and Let's choose to let our mercy be full of grace. Let's choose to show mercy to those who don't deserve our mercy. That's what grace is. Now, that doesn't mean that you condone or excuse what they did. No but it does mean that we show them that we care and that we want to help them not pile on. Parents, I want to end by addressing you, parents. When your children, especially your teenage children or your young adult children, 
bring suffering and pain into their lives because of their own stupid, poor decisions, that is an opportunity, a God-given opportunity for you to show mercy. You see, in that moment of pain and shame, what they need is your compassion, not your condemnation. In that moment, what they need is your mercy, not your anger. I know, parents, it is so hard and we fail so many times. But what our kids need, what they don't deserve, but what they need is our mercy. A mercy that is pregnant with grace. So in those moments when you see your children suffering and in pain because of their own foolishness, choose mercy. Choose mercy that is full of grace. In fact, I would say this, treat them the way your Father in heaven treats you when you bring suffering and pain into your life because of your foolishness. Isn't that how your Father in heaven treats you? When you do stupid things, and yet, he gives you mercy that's full of grace. So go and treat your children the way your merciful Father in heaven treats you. Because blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we repent of the ways that we fail to show mercy, when we ourselves have been shown so much mercy by you in your son, Jesus. So Father, would you help our church family as we believe with all of our hearts that we have received so much mercy from you in our suffering and in our misery that you would empower and move us now to show mercy to one another when we're suffering and in misery. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Beloved church.